Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where we post all of our new content, whether it be podcasts, articles, news and notes, updates on the site. Everything that we have baseball-wise does get shared out over there at EthosFantasyBB. If you're not somebody who uses social media or you just want to check out our website, that would be sportsethos.com, and I really recommend it. There are a ton of tools that we have available there now, specifically on the NBA side. If you guys are fantasy basketball players, that is the place to be checking out. Our Fantasy Pass has some draft tracker tools, of course, which are kind of obsolete now that the season has started, but those were incredible going into the season, and we have kept it up with our head-to-head matchup analyzer, with our team analyzers, with our trade analysis system. We have a ton of new stuff that is brand new on the site this season that you guys need to be checking out. That's sportsethos.com. If you hover over the NBA tab, you guys will find all of that stuff there. Now, if you've seen uh, what we've talked about on Twitter the last couple of days, and if you heard yesterday's show, you know that today we're talking about some Steamer projections. Steamer is one of the companies that does produce fantasy ba- or baseball projections in general uh, that we're going to try and use here for our fantasy baseball purposes. Some people don't like projections, and that's understandable. It is trying to predict what's going to happen before the season. It's sometimes very accurate, sometimes it misses the mark, but in general, we have to look at these because they are done by people who really know what they're talking about, and a lot of the time, they're pretty accurate. Some people will say, oh, they're, you know, well, how do they know what's going to happen before the season? They put in all this data, there's a ton of variables, you don't really know what's actually going to happen once games are played, but if you look historically, they're actually fairly accurate, and specifically looking at last season, they projected a lot of scary things correctly. They knew that who's uh, that Yusei Kikuchi was going to bounce back, that Jose Barrios was as well. And they projected the fall-offs of Christian Javier, of Dylan Cease, of Tyler Anderson, Alec Manoa, Julio Urias, Tony Gonsolin. Ever, like, they nailed it. They absolutely nailed the pitching side today. Whether or not you like projections as a whole or don't, they were actually pretty solid last year, this exact same system that we're looking at. So we're going to talk about pitching projections today. Tomorrow, we will go over the batting side and see what stands out over there. And then we'll get back to our position reviews. And next up, we will have second base on the docket. That will be later this week. But let's start diving into some of these pitching projections. Spencer Strider is coming away as the clear 
leader in a lot of categories here. He's actually projected to be the Triple Crown winner, according to these projections. And I tweeted it out yesterday. He would be projected to be the Triple Crown winner, even if it encompassed all of Major League Baseball, not just the National League. He's projected for the most wins, ERA, uh, and strikeouts across Major League Baseball. The lowest ERA, I should say, 15 victories which is a product of him playing for an incredible team, but it's also the fact that he is just as good as he is. He is, of course, projected for the lowest ERA at 3.18, and his strikeout number is not really particularly close. He's projected to have 257 strikeouts. Second on that list is Garrett Cole at 226. So Strider kind of solidifying what a lot of us think already, that he is the best pitcher in the game. He is going to have the best projections, and he should be the number one starting pitcher that is taken in 2024 drafts occasionally you'll see Garrett Cole and we just heard it over the weekend when I was in Arizona there was some discussions about who was the best pitcher in the game who's the best pitcher in the world and a lot of smart people that I really trust and respect are saying Garrett Cole and you can make the argument Garrett Cole is coming off of a season where it looks like he's going to win his first Cy Young award he's been consistently great now for a decade um, but I think Spencer Strider has that higher upside. He plays on a better team. There are more strikeouts to be had there. The projections are quite a bit better uh, for Spencer Strider versus Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's ERA projection is 3.72. It's not terrible by any means, but it's projected to be the 24th highest in baseball. Now, he'll offset that with the high strikeouts that he has, with the fairly low walk rate, and also the projected 13 wins. It's something that he should be able to do. He's still going to be a very good fantasy baseball asset, but I tweeted it out earlier today as well. I don't think that he is somebody that we should really be taking in the first round. Where he's going around pick 12, my gut instinct before these projections came out that was that Garrett Cole probably shouldn't be taken in the first round. And looking at these projections, I mean, there's not really much reasoning behind taking him in the first round other than the fact of, you know, there's been consistency year over year. But there's also been some drop-off in Garrett Cole's game as well. And I don't think that people want to acknowledge it because the actual ERA was very good this season. But if you're looking at the strikeout rate, it dropped. And it dropped you know, a decent bit, right? If you look over the last five seasons, you're looking at 34, 39, 32, 33, and 32% strikeout rate. He fell down to 27%. It's not bad at all. 27% is still elite. But when you're coming from a place of you know, 32, 33% plus, dropping five points on your strikeout rate is rather significant. The walk rate was just about where it always is at 5.8%, but that strikeout minus walk, it was the worst season we'd seen from him strikeout-wise since his days in Pittsburgh. So that's definitely something that you have to consider. The fact that he is 33 years old, he is not the youngest guy in the world anymore, and he has a lot of innings under his belt. He's closing in on 2,000 career innings. He should hit it this year if he's healthy. So there's a lot of mileage there. There's also been some decline, especially in terms of the strikeout rate. I don't know that he's somebody that you need to be taking in the first round, right? You know, going back to that ERA number, 263 on the season. But if you look at the expected numbers, the pitching indicators, uh, pitching estimators, I should say, 3.6 XFIP, 3.48 XERA. They're not amazing, right? 3.63 Sierra. It's still really good, but I don't think we should take him in the first round. And I think these projections are kind of solidifying that for me, that Garrett Cole is probably somebody that should be falling into the second round. And probably shouldn't even be the second pitcher taken uh, off the board here. If you look at you know all of these different metrics, he's not terribly high up in a lot of them. You know The strikeouts are there, and that'll be great, but you can get really solid strikeouts from guys who are not going to you know, project it to anyway hit you as hard in the ERA department. You know, you could go for a guy like a, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but like a Kevin Gosman is going to go a couple rounds later. He's projected to have an ERA that is 0.3 or 0.4 lower with the same number of strikeouts, same number of wins. 
why would you not <clears throat> wait around and take Kevin Gosman? You know, you're getting very similar production between the two of them, and you're not paying anywhere near the same price, right? So there are instances like that where I think that you have to kind of fade Garrett Cole in a lot of cases. If he's dropping into the second round or beyond, then sure, but I don't think he will, especially after the season that he had. Of course, playing for the Yankees is always going to make people more interested in you just because there's more of a spotlight there. I don't know that I'm going to have Garrett Cole on any of my teams this year. In fact, I, I probably won't, and I don't, I don't think that that's going to change here unless there is something drastically that changes in the price. If he is going at the end of the second round or something, then I'll take that strikeout stability and the fact that I think I'm probably getting 12 to 14 wins. And the ERA could still be you know mid threes, low threes, but I don't think we can expect a mid twos kind of ERA again from Garrett Cole. We're probably entering into the decline phase of his career if the strikeouts are any indication, and they usually are a very good indication of your current talent level. You know, we always tend to look at the more advanced stats. I try and do that myself, but, you know, listening to smart people talk this weekend, specifically Eno Sars, you know, you look at the strikeout minus walk rate, and that'll generally tell you a large portion of the story, and that's gone down quite a bit specifically because of those Ks. It is a reason to be concerned a little bit about Garrett Cole, specifically in the first round. Now, Tariq Skubal, uh, he's somebody that we saw down the stretch produce some of the best numbers uh, once he came back this year. Tariq Skubal was a treat to watch, and I've seen a lot of people talk about him as like a top 10 starting pitcher. And, you know, there is reason to kind of doubt that he's pitching for a team that's not great. The team around him is eh, maybe going to win 70 games, maybe 75 kind of wins. They're not a great team. The ballpark is more... Um, I guess it's more hitter-friendly than it used to be. It used to be a huge cavernous ballpark, and they've kind of moved the walls in a little bit, so you don't have that same luxury in terms of having a great ballpark around you. Now, I still think Tariq Skubal is is great, and the projections kind of solidified that for me. Like, I, I was leaning more towards the side of, well, he's probably going to be too expensive. I might want to fade him, but he's projected to have the third-best ERA, and he is projected to have the eighth-best strikeout percentage. Also, uh, the third best strikeout minus walk rate in baseball. That's what the projections are telling us. Now, are they reading too much into just this most recent season and maybe not factoring in some of the other things we've seen from Tariq Skubal? Like, yes, we saw the strikeout rate bump up to 33%. The walk rate went down to 4.5%. Is that realistic to maintain to that degree? I don't know that he's going to be a 33% strikeout rate guy. And the projections, they don't really seem to think he's going to be a 33 either. They have him more projected at 28. But with the ERA projected to be as low as it is, Tariq Skubal gets to a point of being somebody that I'm probably going to be pretty interested in. Now, he's going to be relatively expensive. But if the projections are anywhere close to being in line with what we're actually going to get, then it's going to be worth the price. Tariq Skubal currently is going as number 62 off the board. We're talking about 17 drafts that have taken place so far. He's the 62nd player on average. Quite a gap between his minimum pick and his maximum pick, though. 37 is the minimum. 106 is the maximum. If you're getting him past pick 100, he's an obvious steal. But even in that ADP range of 60-something, if you're getting him like beginning of the fifth round in a 15-team league, uh, considering what we saw down the stretch and considering these early projections, you got to be pretty excited uh, about Tariq Skubal if you have any early shares, if you have him in keeper slash dynasty leagues, or even if you're looking to draft him this year uh, in a redraft format. It looks like he is going to be one of the better pitchers in all of baseball based on what we're looking at here. Carlos Rodon is also somebody I want to talk about because it looks like he is projected for a pretty sizable bounce back here. We're talking about a 28% strikeout rate and a 7% walk rate. Of course, that K-walk rate being above 20% would be huge. He's projected to have the fifth best one 
in all of baseball. Now, I know people are going to be worried about Carlos Rodon, and understandably so. It was a dreadful season if you drafted him, if you held on to him. It was a nightmare. There was a couple of decent starts that were mixed in, but all in all, you got 14 starts of a 6.85 ERA with lower strikeouts than you were wanting and higher walk rate than you were ever expecting at 9.8%. Going back to what we were seeing in his early days in Chicago where we saw those massive walk rates, the strikeout rates. It was pretty much like Chicago level, early Chicago level Carlos Rodon we were seeing and actually worse. It was not somebody that you could have been terribly excited about watching this season, but if you look at the projections, if you look at what we know about Carlos Rodon, the fact that he was hurt for a good chunk of the season and he never really got the chance to properly take off, right? He didn't have that proper buildup. And once he did, he was always having setbacks and he was never really able to get into a proper groove. He's projected to have a 377 ERA with some of the best strikeout and walk numbers in the league. And I don't think you're going to have to pay a massive premium on Carlos Rodon. I'm just going to pull up his early ADP here. People are going to be fading him, and maybe they won't be fading him enough. Uh, let's just take a look here. Wow. 179 is the current going rate on Carlos Rodon. That is incredibly cheap for somebody who could very easily bounce back in a huge way. He's going to be one of my biggest targets this year if that price maintains. Another guy who has a huge gap between his minimum and maximum picks, 115 is the minimum, 254 is the maximum. So there is a bit of a range there, but anywhere in that range I think you got to take as – as a gold price for Rodon, if he's able to bounce back and even be 80% of what he was before the injuries, you're looking at a top 10 pitcher in baseball. We saw it in 21. We saw it in 22. It's just a matter of health. If, if Rodon is out there and he's throwing 25 or 30 starts, and the projections seem to think that we're going to see something along those lines, they're projecting 29 starts out of him, I'll take it. I'll absolutely take what Rodon's going to give me. I still think he is one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, and we can take all our arguments for liking him last year, going into Yankee Stadium as a left-handed pitcher, and they're still going to apply. I think we kind of have to throw away this year and say that it wasn't really Rodon. You know, he didn't have a full chance at being himself and getting in a proper rhythm, and this year, assuming health, uh, we'll probably be able to see something quite a bit different from him. Let's talk about Mason Miller. Mason Miller, if you guys remember him, was the hot talk of the world when he first came up early in the season. It is the, still the most downloaded podcast I've ever done when Mason Miller debuted and we had Nick Pollock on the show, another great guy, Nick Pollock. If you guys are unfamiliar, you're probably not PitcherList. Uh, you guys probably know PitcherList, but if you don't, definitely need to be checking out their work and all the things that they have going on throughout the offseason. Mason Miller was somebody that Nick and I were very excited about. Nick was watching him debut live on the show here and he was kind of reacting to it in real time and we saw the strikeout upside we know it's a big ballpark there's a lot to really like about Mason Miller and then he missed most of the season he was hurt but Mason Miller's projections are that of a 344 ERA that's pretty damn okay on top of that the third highest projected strikeout rate in baseball behind Spencer Strider and Tyler Glass now I don't know if Mason Miller is going to be able to do what he is projected to do and pitch about 20 some odd games or I should say start about 20-some-odd games because that is what the projection currently is right now. 21 starts, 42 appearances in total. Those are probably still being worked out in the back end of the system in terms of how many starts you're going to see from him. If he's healthy, it'll be more than 21. But he's projected for 137 innings of a 344 ERA and a 30% strikeout rate. I mean, Mason Miller could be one of those players that is just kind of ignored in fantasy because he has a terrible team around him. He's not somebody that, you know, has a huge track record under his belt, but he's going to pick 276. The minimum is 182. The max is 383. 
doesn't even matter at that point. Like in that range of ADP at 276, yes, it'll move around a little bit. You have the potential to have an ace on your staff that you don't have to pay for at all. In that kind of price range, you're talking last pick of your 12-teamers. If you're talking standard size, Yahoo, ESPN, CBS kind of leagues, that's like a last round or last couple rounds territory. You have nothing to lose. Like I think Mason Miller needs to be, if you're listening to this, you need to write a note down and say, Mason Miller, take him in the last couple rounds. He could easily pop off, and at the price that you're paying for it, it would be it would be a, an absolute miracle for your teams if he is able to give you even 80% of this projection, 70% of it. And like I said off the top, like Steamer is pretty accurate. They are projecting, you know, if you just even look at last season, you could say, oh, maybe they just got lucky. They projected a lot of those guys who were excellent in 2022 to fall back to earth in 23, and they hit on most of them. You know, and even, you know, the Kikuchis and the Brioses of the world, they projected some bounce backs as well. So I think we have to read more into Steamer than maybe the average person would. Of course, a lot of it is health with with Mason Miller. If he's not healthy, then none of this matters. But if he's out there and pitching, man, I mean, the walks are going to be a little bit high, but everything else is pretty much in line with what you're hoping to, to land on later in your drafts. You're wanting to have somebody with this kind of upside. I know the win upside isn't really there in Oakland, but wins are pretty random as well. He could still end up with 10 or 12 wins, hypothetically speaking. It could be four or five because that's just the nature of the beast. But I don't think you can preclude him from your draft strategy because you don't expect there to be a lot of wins. Maybe you don't push him up so, so much, but you don't need to, right? If he's being drafted in the 270 range, then you have only upside to gain uh, from taking a chance on him. I think that he has to be somebody that is a target across pretty much all of your teams. I, I do not see a single reason to be fading him. Uh, he's definitely somebody that I'm going to be taking on. I, I think, honestly, every single team, as long as the price doesn't get too crazy. And I, I don't think it will, right? If people start to writing you know, pieces, and people will probably start writing some pieces and looking at these projections more in depth, and it'll get more, you know, become more in the light because these are just a couple of days old. A lot of people aren't even focusing on baseball right now. But if you can get Mason Miller late, Definitely, definitely take at least a couple of shares. Now, there is a lot of interesting projections here. Those are the ones that are the ones like the ones that really stand out. Um, some things you have to kind of keep in mind a little bit here is that the innings pitch projections are probably a little bit too lofty for a lot of these guys. Like we're projecting 55 pitchers to throw 170 innings. I don't know that we're necessarily going to see that. It feels like we're asking kind of a lot. Uh, if I'm just looking at this past season, let me see if I'm if I'm off here. But this past season, we had 37 pitchers throw 170 innings. So I don't know if we're going to see an extra 18 of them get to that benchmark. Some of the innings pitch projections might be a little bit lofty, but that's something that they will uh, continue to adjust. And there's also an, uh, a feature with Steamer where you can look at the Steamer 600 slash 200 projections, and that would be for a play uh, for a batter, 600 plate appearances, or for a pitcher, 200 innings pitch, and just kind of see what you can expect if these pitchers were to throw 200 innings. Like it'll give you a Jacob Degrom 200 inning projection. It'll give you like literally everybody to see. Okay, if this guy is healthy, if he gives me a full season, what could I be expecting in terms of the raw numbers? In terms of the you know, the ratios are going to be the same pretty much, but in terms of raw numbers, what you can expect. So there's a lot you can do. With Steamer, uh, I really like it. I think it's a really great system. Now, I wouldn't, you know, just strictly draft off of what they're telling you. There's a lot of other systems that are going to be coming out, of course, that are going to have, uh, you know, different looks and different views of things. Zips, the bat, ATC will have projections. There will be different ones done by 
you know, the guys at Fangraphs, Justin Mason and Paul Spore, Vlad Sedler from FTN will do his projections. You know, I'll do projections. A lot of people do projections, and you can kind of average them out. You can weight them differently depending on what you believe in more or not. But I think the point is you have to look at them to some extent. You can't just be like, oh, well, they're projections. They don't know what's going to happen. They have no idea. I think that you need to be a lot more careful uh, with projections than just excluding them because maybe they're new to you or you're not as familiar with them. They're a very useful tool that you definitely need to be taking a look at. Now, there are a couple of things that are in these projections that I think are a little bit odd in terms of some regression. And one that is particularly odd for me is Chris Bassett. Chris Bassett is projected, and let me just pull it up here, for a 424 ERA based on uh, based on what we're seeing here from Steamer. I don't know why they would project him to do that poorly when you look back on Chris Bassett's track record over the last, really, I mean, most of his career. But going back to 2018 till now, you're looking at 302, 381, 229, 315, 342, and 360 ERAs. 3.81 in 2019 in the fun bouncy ball year was the highest ERA that he had had. Of course, excluding those couple of years uh, early in his career where we're talking five starts, three starts, 13 starts, where he wasn't a full-time pitcher. I'm talking about since he became a full-time starting pitcher, pretty much you know, 2018, 2019 kind of range, he has been incredible. He's always been somebody who has kind of outperformed those expected slash pitching indicator numbers. So maybe that is where some of this is coming from because a lot of those metrics do go into building these projections. They also look at strikeout rates and whatnot. And his strikeout rate is pretty average. So maybe they say, okay, Chris Bassett's kind of you know outran his projections for the last little while. We can't really expect that to continue. You can make that argument, but I do think that Chris Bassett is one of those pitchers that is just not really captured accurately, properly in these projections. In not, not the projections per se, but the ERA estimators kind of miss something with him every single year. Going back to 2018, if you look at his ERA versus his XFIP versus everything else, he's always outperforming it. Always. Every single year, without fail. As a starting pitcher, he has outperformed all of his pitching indicators. They're always a lot higher. So when I see a projection of a 425 ERA for, for, um, for Chris Bassett, I kind of take it with a grain of salt a little bit. Not to say that, I, like I've said, I trust these projections. I'm going to use them myself. But you also have to look at the fact that Bassett always kind of outperforms them. And you can't really look at his track record and say there's anything clearly that's changed this past season, any reason why we should be doubting him for 24 versus any other season. So that's definitely something uh, to consider as well, that there are some pitchers that do not always have every bit of their production kind of captured in these statistics. It just is the nature of the beast sometimes. Nick Pavetta is projected for a 446 ERA, and they think he'll come back to earth quite a bit in terms of his strikeout rate. There are certain things that are, I don't know, kind of strange a little bit, I guess, with these projections. I don't know how much they weight certain things, right? Because Nick Pavetta is coming off of the last half of the season where he was striking out everybody. He was looking like one of the better pitchers in all of baseball. And they're projecting him to go back down to like a 25% strikeout rate, and they're also projecting him to have an ERA that is well above four. Now, his ERA was 4.04, but his expected numbers, his FIPS and all everything, was was lower than that. It was all in the threes, 3.98, 3.55, to go along with the fact that his strikeout rate was 31%. So I'm just laying out Pavetta and Bassa as examples of maybe they're not 100% perfect, these projections, because I think they're missing something with Pavetta in terms of what he did in the second half. He was striking out everybody, 31% strikeout rate for the whole season, 
and now they're projecting him to come back to 25. That's probably more due to the historical data, the fact that he is a 25% strikeout rate guy for his career, the fact that he is a 486 ERA don't really work in his favor. So I don't know that they're necessarily capturing enough of what we saw last season, and I also don't know that they are factoring in certain pitchers like Bassett who will probably, almost in, you know, almost certainly, outperform their expected stats because that's kind of just what they always do. So I like these projections. Like I said, I'm going to use them. They are something that you need to incorporate into your process. If you're not using projections in your process in one way or another, you're going to fall behind. And it's just the nature of fantasy baseball at this point. Now, if you're just playing in a league with your friends and everybody's just kind of, you know, playing for fun, maybe you don't need to focus in on them so much. For, for a lot of you playing, you try and make some money. You try and do as well as you possibly can. And even if it's not a money thing, it's kind of just a bragging rights thing with your friends, whatever it is. You want to be as informed as possible. If you're not looking at these or not even just these, but any of the projections and preferably all of them, then you are going to naturally kind of fall behind. So that'll do it in terms of the early look at pitching projections. We will take another look because there will be tons of other guys that do projections that we will talk about. I'm going to do my own that we'll talk about, but it's just kind of early to dig in so, so much. Today we just talked about some of those ones that I think are going to be the not necessarily outliers, but the ones that really stuck out to me, the striders of the world. Mason Miller is one that's probably the biggest here in terms of these projections. We loved Mason Miller last year. This makes me want to want to draft him even more than just my own love of him would have. But also, guys, like I said, just remember, they are a good, useful tool. They should not be a proxy for your brain, though, either. Because even though they put in a lot of work and they put in a lot of data into these, they're not going to be 100% perfect, and I'll just keep going back to the Bassett example, and there's countless others that you could find here, but today we're just doing these initial first look at the steamer projections. Like I said, tomorrow we'll take a look at batters. We'll see what stands out. There are definitely a couple things. Yandy Diaz is one. Vladimir Guerrero is certainly another. You guys can take a look there. If you go to Fangraphs, you click on the three-dotted line uh, box thing, you know, uh, the drop-down menu. You click on projections, you go to steamer at the top there under 2024 preseason projections, and you guys can follow along. You can see exactly what I'm seeing here. Uh, so make sure you guys are doing that. But until tomorrow, guys, you can check me over on Twitter, of course, at JoeOrico99. Also, Ethos Fantasy BB and SportsEthos.com for the rest of our great content here. But until tomorrow, guys, take care, have a great night, and cheers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 